and we're back on the stab cusp. I am Michael Saramella, joined by my co-host Stace Galbraith, and I just found out that we have a special guest coming on. Stace, can you introduce us? G'day, Mikey. Yeah, I can. Uh, in light of your uh, recent uh, penning on stabmag.com, uh, I thought it would be relevant to bring in uh, your cover boy of your most recent rant, Mr. Joel Scott. King of the GoPro, <laughs> king of the jet ski, uh, king of the Northern hey, Gold Doing good, JS, and yourself? Hey, boys, how are you? Very, very good, very good. Nice, nice to uh, be on here. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> You're an avid listener. Um, you got any feedback for us so far? Oh, I think you guys are good. I, I like the banner. Um, keep it pretty real. So, no, I, I do. I do like it. I want more of them. Oh, great. Well, yeah, speaking of banter, let's rip straight in. Uh, Mikey, I'll let you take the floor, mate. What's your gripe? <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's so much as a gripe as it is just something that I found pretty funny about the recent Australian swell and mainly its portrayal on Instagram. Um, obviously, Australia just had one of their best in a long time I'm sure you guys can attest to that and everywhere on the east coast seemed to be pumping and what we got of it uh, on this side of the pacific was basically a bunch of guys stepping off of jet skis into slightly overhead barrels and uh, <laughs> yeah it looked really fun but uh, I just thought it was funny how it seems like everybody on the gold coast now and maybe throughout a lot of east coast australia seems to be using a ski like just even in the background of some of the videos that we saw, you'd see like five other skis around. I don't know. I guess it's just a funny kind of cultural shift from what I used to perceive as Australia being this really like gritty, like just people of the fucking earth. Uh, yeah. And now everybody seems to be using these little powerized adult toys out in the yeah. ocean. So. No, for sure. Have you ever done step offs, Mikey? Uh, I have done it one time. What How was think? it? Yeah, what'd you think? I thought it felt cheap. I got some really, really good barrels. And just like Joel, I have the GoPro clips to prove it. And every time I came out of one, I was like, fuck, that didn't even count. And uh, just asked the ski driver to just bring me back up to the top of the point and let me paddle into waves. And, you know, even if you're missing half of them or going over the falls or whatever, it's just so much more fulfilling to me. Yeah, very cool. And and, and I, I don't begrudge that either. I mean, I did that for 20, 30 years. I'm 40, so I'm, I'm getting a bit on with the old carcass these days. And uh, I guess for me, it's it's more time poor. You know, I've got I've got kids, I've got to take to school. You know, we're, I've got 30, 40 minutes in the morning where if I can get three or four crazy ways and I'm out, that's just a dream for me. Oh, well, that's – if that's the case – I feel like that's actually really justifiable. Like if you're actually just getting on your ski and shooting over to who, wherever and getting a couple of waves before work, like literally less than an hour in the water, then I can get behind that pretty hard. That's pretty epic actually. So yeah. I, I guess, I guess for 
Yeah, for, I mean, Stacey, you know, too, is like, it, it is, it's a, it's a, it really comes down, for, for me personally, anyway, I, I'm not speaking on, on behalf of anyone else, but it, it's more a time issue, you know, like, like everything's so busy these days. So when you get, you know, one hour in the morning, and I'm talking literally from dark till sometimes before the sun's even up, we're in and out of there. So, you know, that that's kind of where I'm coming from. But also, for me, doing step off is a hell of a lot of fun. And Hell of, hell of a lot of fun, more than writing an article about someone doing step-offs for sure. <laughs> I, I think you underestimate not having a dig. I'm not having a dig. That's just me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, like, I like what you said though, Mikey, about it feeling um, different and, and some, somewhat cheap. I actually made that comment to Mitch when we were out on the weekend. I just said, oh, I'm just kind of missing something. But then I kind of got a farm on it sort of felt pretty fucking good. So I was like, ah, you know what? I take that back, whatever I just said. But I kind of put them in the same sort of category as like wave pools. They are really fun, really like novelty. And if you can get the most out of a session by using one, like, you know, I don't really think that can be denied. Unfortunately, on the Gold Coast, I'm new to it as well. They are becoming very popular. And and I think that um, the lines between like etiquette can get blurred particularly yeah. on the points because regardless of whether it's four feet or 10 feet the current is basically the same and that's where it becomes i think a problem of like a social issue of like well fuck if there's anyone paddling i don't really think there should be a ski out there uh unless it's everyone is giving everyone a lift and everyone's looking out for each other and it's a bit of a an all-in affair rather than just like a, i've got money i've got a jet ski because that's not really i think what surfing should represent um, but then there's the water, totally, water, totally water safety aspect of it. I mean, uh, JS was up the coast the other weekend when um, he didn't want to be named in the article, but I'm going to fucking do it now. Uh, Lincoln Taylor and uh, Murray Anthony saved um, Al Cook up at a spot on the Goldie. And yeah, JS, you're out there. You want to walk us through it and how jet skis played a part? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, well this particular spot is, a long way offshore so you, you know i've never seen anyone paddle there so you, yeah, it's just so sharky and uh you, you just would it's too hard anyway what a local local lad al cook who uh formerly of palmer's surf like now now runs uh fucking surfwear and, and accessories he was out there he was um it was one of 10 skis out there it's just all the boys we're all having a good time pretty solid conditions and he actually hit he got his board hit him in the head and, and they literally lost him for, I think the, the, the count was two minutes. And uh, the only reason he came up and got found was he had a, he had a shock vest on. The ski was straight on him. Lincoln Taylor and the other Grom grabbed him, took him straight uh, into the island and uh, commenced CPR. We called a helicopter. He got, he got airlifted. And to be honest, if the ski wasn't there, I mean, yes, he, he, he floated up because of the vest, but, the ski then aided in getting him in because there was no way you were getting him into the shore. It would have taken half an hour. Uh, it would have been all over Red Rover. I, I, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely no denying the fact that jet skis play a huge role in ocean safety. Um, and I think for a spot like that, where you're saying that nobody ever paddles it, it's like, you know, have at it, like go do your thing. But like Stace was saying, I think for me, the bigger problem is when you're going to spots that are, you know, typically paddle spots and you're, so for me, like there's a wave where I live that people like to use skis 
And it's a wave that I would say most of the time is paddleable to like, you know, a large degree. You maybe wouldn't get the same, you definitely wouldn't get the same number of waves, but it would even the playing field. So there's the factor of one that guys on skis, uh, if they have bad etiquette, which maybe it's not this way where you guys live, but around here, they, they tend to take a lot of waves. And then on top of that, even the waves that they don't take end up being ruined by all the wake that's in the water. So you're sitting there paddling, they're buzzing around you, going past you, grabbing every wave, and then a wave does come to you, finally get it, and you end up just going over a bunch of chop the whole time. So I don't know yeah. what it's like on the Gold Coast, but do you guys get a bit of that as well? Yeah, for sure. Look, I think etiquette is huge, and, and Stace uh, touched on it before. I think there are a lot of people that, that really don't know the etiquette of it, and uh, myself and, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years at this similar spot, and, and we literally go a dark and, and try and get out of there before most paddlers, and, and respect them to, to, to where we can. We move down the beach, um, but I do see a lot of a lot of guys, you know, just no idea, and, and it's kind of frustrating because then it, it really it stains it for us as well. Um, so I get that. I totally, totally get that. And it, w it would shit me, you know, beyond belief if, you know, I was getting waked through mine as well. But um, especially here, I mean, the points, it's just, like you said, Stace, I mean, you look at all the surf camps and, and the shots over that last well, like there was a thousand people from Snapper to Kira paddling. Like, I mean, so yeah, you're seeing heaps of stuff on Instagram and socials of people doing step offs, but really i really really don't think it's, it's that bad here no i i don't think it's that bad either i think we were really lucky with the with the swell and, and how spread out it was across the whole coast and then also the wind the, the wind was really light and pretty much straight offshore so it, you could have picked basically any stretch of beach that picked up that swell and you would have had it to yourself which i think a lot of us yeah somewhat did in a way there might have been paddlers in the distance or whatever but there was just so many waves and it was really consistent there were spots at northern new south wales where multiple crew just weren't even getting out and it wasn't it wasn't yeah. it wasn't jaws big it was just consistent <laughs> beach break no gaps and uh you know without a jet ski all those waves are going unridden so i think you know taking advantage of that is sort of fine by me but funnily enough, one of the arvos during that swell, I actually went over in in an, uh, in one of the afternoons, and and obviously there was too many people, so I I uh, parked the ski up and and paddled, and it was my first time paddling in a long, long time, and I literally got two waves in two hours. So I mean, you know, I I mean for me being a greedy old old dude, I, I'm happy to in and out before the sun rises, get my fix, and and it just makes me happy, and and that's that's kind of the goal for me is just just be happy and still be able to get ways, you know, I'm 40 and I'm, I feel like I'm having the most fun I've ever had in my life. And, and it is because of the ski. I mean, at the end of the day and, and stay to know we're all Devons down here in Australia. So we don't mind a bit of, you know, two stroke in the morning. <laughs> you can probably, yeah, hear, probably hear my ski from fucking Costa Rica. It's that loud. Oh mate, it's actually embarrassing. Your the, the ski cruising and Stacey guy is actually I can hear it coming. Like, hey, let's get out of here. This is embarrassing when you guys rock up. It's so fucking loud. <laughs> hey, but Joel, uh, tell me. Well, I guess you said you haven't paddled much at all lately, but is there a difference for you in terms of the fulfillment that you get from a good paddle wave versus a good uh, step wave? 
Honestly, I um, it's really bizarre. Like with a ski, you feel I feel like like you could go six eight foot and you don't even really flinch. But then when you're paddling, like I was paddling like four to six foot, I'm like, holy shit! Like this is this is really really hard. And I like I got a couple, but I, I don't know. I don't know, Mikey. I'm just I'm a bit selfish in my old age. I, it's not really the fulfillment for me is getting that beautiful, you know, view, beautiful wave, and and then just being so stoked. But whereas I could literally surf for two hours and potentially not even get that if I'm paddling. So I'm being a little bit selfish when I say it, but that that's kind of just me now. Maybe maybe 20 years ago, uh, I would have said a different answer like you being 26. So who knows? Yeah, yeah I, I feel you on that, Mikey. I think that like being, being sort of a part of the younger guard, like there definitely is a, a limit to my surfing that gets reached paddling. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit that. And then with the ski, I think that you get an opportunity to try and, and, and see some other things or have a go at some waves that you normally wouldn't have a go at. So it's, it's definitely an interesting one. And mm. I don't think taking a drop will ever be beaten. Just like getting a barrel in a wave pool, it, it, it's easily eclipsed by an ocean barrel, but it's still, um, opens up some new avenues that's for sure i've recently found with myself because i lived in california for six years prior to moving here and then before that i was from the east coast and the east coast gets really good waves but they're super inconsistent california has decent waves all the time but you're getting barreled like twice a year it's just so fucking shithouse and then coming down here was like pretty like revelatory for me in terms of tube riding because you can get barreled almost any day down here and having that experience has like kind of changed the way that I think about surfing and particularly getting barreled in the sense that I realized for me that the greatest like form of excitement and like that kind of positive energy that you're looking to get out of surfing comes not from being in the barrel comes not from coming out of the barrel but a lot of the times it's the moment when you come over the wave that precedes yours and you see the next one coming and you realize that you have to paddle this way or that way, or you're somehow in the perfect spot and you just have to sit there and wait. And it's this moment of anticipation that you know, what's going to happen already. There are a few variables that you need to account for, but like, it's just this like, fuck yes. Like this is about to happen and I'm going to make it happen. Well, you got to come and spend a month with us then brother, because sitting on the back of that pony, you see fucking every wave in that set across four different sandbanks. And then you got to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you still feel that anxiety of what one am I going to go? Am I blowing it going the first or second one? So yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah. But, hey, look, if I think, I think at the end of the day, Everyone being in the salt water, you know, makes you happy. That that's kind of kind of what we all gotta, you know, gotta look at. Yeah, and I really back your shoot over there for thirty minutes, get three waves thing. Like, cause you know we've never met before. My only uh, understanding of you is through your Instagram, which, as Stace and I were talking about earlier today, like you can just paint whatever picture of yourself that you want on there. So to me, you were just like the the jet ski gopro king you're over there all day every day just standing in barrels laughing and um yeah i guess like to hear that it's actually not like that and you know you're a dad i'm sure you have a you know a stable job and you're just trying to fit your little moment of bliss in every day i can really get behind that 
and, and and actually it's it's something I, I tell everyone because it, it's so fucking true. You like you look on Instagram, you see all these like hot chicks, right? You're like, oh my god, that chick's a ten. Then you see her in real life and she's dead set a three. Well that's me. I that, no word of a lie. I'm like an, I'm an insta surfer. Like I literally I've been a cameraman for twenty fucking three years. So I know how to take a shot. It's like I can stand and fucking get bowed, but you see me in real life, you're like, oh, fuck, he doesn't even surf that good. No shit. <laughs> I, I've never once said I do. And it's kind of like all fake fucking news. Like, it's all bullshit. At the end yeah. of the day, social media is bullshit. Yeah. Hey, I will. And that fucking photo that you got from the last swell is incredible. Like, that could be like a cover shot in a magazine, by the way. So well done on that. Yeah, cheers. I'm, 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 honestly, I'm probably not even in it. It's that camera that makes it look so fucking good. <laughs> Just keep bending those knees, brother. Keep bending those knees. I know. I got it. Sorry, Stace. You got to help me out a bit. Yeah, that's all right. But no, nah, good chat, boys. I really, really appreciate the uh, invite. And uh, yeah, Froth and Mikey, I, I, the article was actually good, mate. I had, a, I had a good laugh about it. Cheers. Yeah, nice to meet you, Joel. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can meet up someday and I'll show you how to paddle. <laughs> all right, lads. Perfect. I'll, uh, <laughs> that'll never happen. <laughs> See you, JS. See you, boys. Oh, that was great. He's a legend. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, he's the, he's the fucking man. He's so cool. Um, I don't want to give away too much of his secrets, but he's going over in the dark, dark, fucking dark. Do they put like a light on their jet ski and shit? No, they don't. But um, I was thinking about that the other day, just putting big like Mikey Wright spotlights on the front of our ski. That would be really, really <laughs> funny. Um, but then again, it's, it's still hard to see the wave. We had a crack at it the other morning and wasn't all it was cracked up to be, but it was good novelty fun. And I think the whole idea of it is just about like people push the limits and I've been on both sides of the coin where I've told people to beat it and people have told me to beat it. And I think if you ultimately at the end of the day, the person paddling has a right of way every single fucking time. And if you're within 200 meters of that person, well, you're probably in the wrong and you've just got to cop it on the chin. But most, for most part, everyone's doing their thing. So it's, it, and, and doing it, you know, in their own zone, which is good. And particularly with that last swell direction, like I said, it was honestly every open beach just because of the way the direction was, the points weren't that big, but the open beaches were, were, you know, there was just waves everywhere. So it was, yeah, it was good. So when you say that the paddler has priority, like I get that that's, that's great in theory, but you guys are getting into the wave so early that at least in my experience, somebody's like stepping off like 50 yards out the back. And then it's like, what am I going to do? Like turn around and start like paddling now when they're already like setting up their wave. Like, have you ever actually had someone that you were, you stepped off and then somebody else like paddled into it in front of you and you just let them have it or vice versa. Have you ever just burned someone who stepped off like way out the back? Um, I don't think I've ever done it, but I've definitely seen it happen where it was just like, and it was just two of like, you know, the apex locals at this one spot and the one guy paddling just sizzled the other guy and no one even said anything. It was just, it was kind of, I thought everyone was on that page and yeah, it is difficult, but, I think that um, it's accepted. I don't think you can, you can never argue that. And I've only ever really seen that happen once or twice. And on the beach breaks, it doesn't happen because you have to be in the same kind of line. You're almost sitting on your jet ski in a paddle position. So you'd be sitting next to the surface that were paddling and you kind of come across the wave. Whereas on the points you drive into the wave. So it's like, 
that's where it becomes a problem on the points where there's people paddling and people on the jet skis. But on the beach breaks, you don't really see those that kind of problem because it's so spread out. Gotcha. All right, cool. Well, I think we've uh, kicked this dead horse. That's right. Well, I think that, um, you know, next time you're on the Gold Coast um, and you're drifting between probably North Kira and Balinga, um, you might not get picked up. So that's fine. You know, you'll just have to, (laughs) but that's okay. (laughs) So there were kind of two ways that any given person was going to go about treating this uh, quarantine situation that we've been dealing with to varying degrees across the world for the past three months. Some people saw it as a time for kind of relaxation and they were going to maybe get done some housework that they'd been meaning to do. And people were going to kind of double down on whatever their traditional job was and try to use this as a period to actually like come out stronger on the other side. And I don't think that one is necessarily better or worse than the other. I see a ton of value in like taking time to just take a break and relax and kind of be a fucking human being again because of how fast paced our lives are on a regular basis. But on the other hand, I also see a lot of value in capitalizing on a shitty situation. Basically, what I'm trying to get to is there have been some surfers who have kind of gone about their lives as normal throughout the whole quarantine situation and some who have completely kind of like ramped it up and in that way basically up their value like they're going to come out of this thing stronger than they went into it and i want to kind of highlight some of these people because i think it's really cool to see what they've done for sure yeah it's an it's an interesting one because the, the value in the dollar sense remains to be seen with a lot of these surfers taking pay freezes or big pay cuts and you know terrible time to be negotiating a deal but um if you live in a place that is wave rich and a you know a healthy climate and a healthy environment well you're ultimately stoked because you're getting to spend some time at home which i think a lot of people really value and uh I guess we'll just hit it off with probably the most obvious one. And that's Jack Robinson. Like he's just posted up in WA. He's got his friends and his family there and partner and they're going into a swell season in the bottom half. And then that'll turn into a swell season in the top half as the months go on. And for him, there's no better place to be like, not that he needed to get any better in waves of consequence, but <laughs> he will. Cause all that time at home, like he probably hasn't spent that much time at home in the last seven or eight years. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we just saw that, you know, he was just at the right. They just had a day recently at a wave that I don't really feel comfortable naming, but it's near Taj Burrow's house. Um, They've had some days at the box where Jack was literally bringing his phone out and doing Instagram lives, which like, I mean, if, if I'm Jack's sponsor, that's super valuable to me, you know, because he's getting in front of the camera, which a lot of surfers don't want to do. And he's creating engaging content, which is really where all the value lies nowadays, it seems like, at least. I don't really know how business shit works. but um, And not to mention, this is the big kicker, is that there actually could be a direct financial windfall for Jack through all of this, uh, in the sense that he's still stacking clips for his Snapped 4 part. And Snapped 4 is offering basically 40K to whichever surfer uh, has the best section at the end. And I think it will be pretty fucking tough for anyone to beat Jack at this point. 
considering his ability and the waves that he's been stationed at. Yeah, pretty hard to disagree with that one. Um, even he came to snapper and caught two waves and he got the biggest barrel behind the rock and then his other wave, he just absolutely ripped it to shreds. So he's on, uh, on fire. And then on the flip side, because, you know, you were saying, oh, if you're in a place with great waves, it's really easy. Um, but on the flip side, we have like Tanner Godowskis, right? Who he's been in California, obviously, where he lives for the whole thing. And not only was were the beaches closed in California for a period of time where he couldn't create content in that sense, but also the waves just aren't that good. Like he's just not going to be able to go out and film some crazy part in San Clemente and Oceanside. It's just not really possible. But what Tanner did, and I'm sure a lot of people saw this, I don't know if everyone did, but he was basically taking all of his favorite old surf reviews, whether they were on DVD or VHS, and live streaming them through a YouTube. And then not only was he doing that, but he was going and finding the stars of those films and just having like chats with them like you and I are right now. And it was, uh, I actually didn't get to watch a ton of them, but the idea was great. The fact that he's doing anything like that is awesome. And it actually culminated in him taking the lead in Van's live premiere of Pentecostal, which is like their big film release with Wade Goodall and Shane Fletcher. Um, which I guess brings us to the next person. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about Wade? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, a little like backstory, like Wade growing up, he was like at the top of the food chain, the winning junior events and releasing parts and his parts in the Billabong movies, especially when he was a teenager and early twenties were like phenomenal. Had a movie named after him. He was just on this crazy trajectory, but then a few years of like rough injuries back to back, he pretty much fell silent. Like you just never heard from him. You knew he was still surfing and, you know, either mending or on his way back to full health. And then he would get another injury and it was just kind of like bad run after bad run. But it seemed like a pretty uh, opportune time that this all came together, that he finished his latest piece, which just made me like remember how good he was because I completely forgot that he is such a well-rounded surfer. He's got an incredible style and he literally has no flaws in his game. It was, that was one of the best things I've watched in ages. So I'm stoked they got to get it out. I think they got one or two premieres in, which are always fun. I'm sure they had a lot more planned, but yeah, Wade and Shane's movie uh, Pentecostal was uh, Pentecostal. Sorry. was, uh, yeah watched it like four times it's amazing so yeah and let's not forget and not to fucking toot our own horn but i don't know if yeah because you're in the gold coast so it would have been available in your region but do you know anybody that was uh joining the uh pizza party that we threw yep my boy blakey stafford he got on to a uh pizza from justin lane that looked pretty delicious I had a complete shocker and i thought it was america only so i didn't even get on it and i had a friend ask me um oh you know let's do it and i just went sorry dude it's america only and then i saw everyone on the gold coast with pizzas and i'm like oh, i'm an idiot also <laughs> <laughs> oh, you screwed yourself head. yeah your friend heavy <laughs> yeah exactly so i just went down and got one the next night anyway um francis at cool and gator shout out to them they're amazing but uh yeah didn't get a free pizza i had to pay for it but that's all good um yeah that was a great great initiative and yeah 
pretty innovative in these uh, uncertain times, as our government officials like to say. Mm. So who else you got? Who else has impressed you? Um, I think Ethan Ewing just dropped the best Instagram clip I've seen maybe ever. He Are you talking about the one where he's doing backside hammers on a chest high wave? Yes. It's fucked up how good it's he is at surfing. Fucked up. That's the nearly, I think, the best I've seen him surf. That was just unreal. And, you know, the ways where he live, great variety. Um, he's got he's got everything over there he needs again similar to jack um i don't know jack super well but i know ethan pretty well and i know he likes to be home and where he lives is absolutely beautiful i wouldn't want to leave either if i was from there and he's got his friends and his family and he's got his jet ski and he's having a fuck you time his dog and pumping waves like mate i know that he's super competitive and he'd want to be competing right now but he's not getting any worse staying at home that's for sure Okay, just a quick question, totally off topic. Well, not totally off topic, but right now, assuming that the tour next year runs as normal, same waves, everything, who finishes higher, Jack or Ethan? Jack uh, Robinson, that is. I like to think that they're both the opposite of one another and where they would need to get stronger is the other person's weakness and vice versa. And I think the two is more well-rounded to someone like Ethan's strength. So I'd say Ethan, but he's gotten a lot better in the tube in the last couple of years, as has Jack Robbo's gotten a lot better on the face. So I think it'd be a sick battle, but I think Ethan by five or so spots, I think he'd have him. Okay. Is Ethan top 10? Yes. After that Instagram clip. Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, and so we're talking about value by the way. And I want to talk about the other Jack in regards to that. So Jack Freestone famously, infamously left the Gold Coast with his partner, Alana, and their baby to go stay on Kauai for the quarantine. Mm. Um, This is really interesting because from a surfing standpoint, it was maybe like an equal trade-off, like quality of waves. Kauai to Gold Coast. Kauai, you'd probably surf with a lot less people, but obviously, you know, the Gold Coast has been pumping as well. But interestingly, it is the worst option they could have chosen for their own kind of surfing profiles because the rule on Kauai is that you can't film anything. Uh, It's something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Um, I'll go off topic here and away from your question, but like (laughs) Malia and Seabass, like, and Alana for that matter, like, credit to them for making surf careers like it would be so amazing to live there but it would also be very hard like they've got to get creative with how they get their you know brand into the marketplace and particularly with like Seabass and Malia like they had to make heats to be seen and to get noticed and to get sponsors and and all that stuff and they did that and have still doing that for like the last decade so I think that coming from Kauai would be really tough in that sense I I I love that that's the rule over there because I think it sort of, you know, protects their culture and protects sort of what they have. That's so special. Um, But on the flip side, trying to be a professional athlete where video in the video era, the Instagram era is so huge. It would be tough. It'd be really tough. So um, yeah, but I don't feel too bad for Jack and Alana. I think that they're doing just fine. I think they're doing absolutely just fine, but it is an interesting point that you make someone like Jack going to Kauai or even anywhere in Hawaii into the summer season. Obviously they get their South swells, 
but I still think from a, you know, where would you rather be standpoint? I think that this region, which is his other home is, is a, a better place to be in the winter, but they obviously had to make some family decisions there and they've got great support over there. So it's a kind of a no brainer for them, but yeah, it's an interesting topic for sure. It's different when you get family involved, but it's um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. All right. So uh, back on to the positive value. I want oh, to throw yeah. Mick Fanning in the mix. That guy's a work because Mick man. Fanning has become a broadcaster. Yes, it just much like Tanner Gadaskis became the best surf journalist ever in a matter of weeks. Uh, now Mick Fanning is becoming the best sports broadcaster, uh, you know, bar none, uh, since his new gig with Uncle Sam, and it's um, going really well. Like super interesting, you know. Obviously, he's got a big big amount of respect amongst his peers so he's pulling the best guests not like us we're just getting the boys but that's all right um and like they're super interesting to listen to and it's cool to see people like they relax around me and it's cool to see like you know how open john john was how open gabriel was like he's doing an amazing job and you know what the guy's an animal man he still surfed every day of that swell in the best spot every single day i don't know how he does it well he does it with the jet ski i know that much but um um yeah i'm not gonna call mick out on that yeah 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 i got i got cooked on beach grit uh stepping mick off into a wave uh at kira so thanks for that um <laughs> that's my claim to beach grit fame but um hey, would you say that mick is the most widely respected surfer both by kind of his peers and the wider public of like this millennium yeah of this millennium yeah 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 like nobody i mean slater is slater right but i don't think people kind of like they have reverence for him in the athletic sense but i think mick as like a person and kind of what he's been through and what he stands for is kind of like the person everybody looks up to he's like the like the kind of father figure he's just the man and it's undeniable it's just undeniable like um we were down at D-Bar the other day and he's, you know, famously always takes his dog down the beach and his dog's super obedient, doesn't run away. She sat next to me while I was filming and he sent me a text that Arvo, hey, thanks for looking after Harper. And it's just shit like that that I think makes him the man. Like, I didn't fucking look after his dog. His dog would never run away. But you know what I mean? He's just got that presence of mind to think about other people, I think. And he's just the fucking man. It's, you yeah. Know, he definitely is the most respected of this millennium. He's, he's moving into like an MR realm where like you're in a room with MR and you just, you just shut up and listen. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Meanwhile, I think Slater, you could say has more of, I don't know if you've been watching the Jordan documentary on Netflix, but he just has sort of that more, or maybe, maybe less so nowadays, but back when he was, you know, really, really competitive it was just this fucking win at all costs thing, you know? And it's like, you, you kind of pay less attention to the personal relationship side of the thing. And you just are so laser focused that it's kind of hard to create that same like interpersonal thing that Mick seems to have with everybody. Well, yeah, I have been watching the, the Jordan Docker. I actually just finished it this morning. It's incredible. And I think that you're spot on, but Mick had a win at all cost attitude as well. And like, I think Phil Jackson goes into it maybe in the doco or I watched it on YouTube or something 
that like that was the difference between Kobe and MJ is that Kobe left it on the court. Whereas maybe, you know, MJ and a few of these other top tier athletes, they can't differentiate the two. And that's maybe where they get hung up and a little bit, you know, post-career and with, you know, maybe public profile and that. Not that those guys give a fuck, but I guess that's kind of the difference you're talking about. Yeah. And at the same time, like, I'm not even disparaging that type, the Jordan this later, because I think that that is extremely valuable. Because if we didn't have people that were so truly, like, dedicated and in a way just selfish, we wouldn't see these, like, fucking amazing feats. Like, I always think about, um, I don't know if you saw that film about Alex Honnold, the guy who climbed, yeah. So, like, you know, there's part of you it's like, wow, how fucking selfish is this guy? Like he's, you know, he's got parents, he's got a girlfriend who he's like kind of into and like, but he's, if it wasn't for someone who is so fucking selfish and laser focused, nobody would ever climb that fucking face of the mountain with no straps. It just wouldn't happen. We need people like that to do fucking crazy great things. Even like, maybe not the best example, but like Elon Musk, he's just this fucking egotistical lunatic, you know, but because of him, we have a lot of like, really cool things what we don't have from elon musk is a tesla jet ski when we get (laughs) tesla jet skis surfers can stop being hypocrites i'm a hypocrite until then we're all fucking hypocrites but yeah that's what we need at elon musk is a tesla jet ski i'm fucking on then they won't know uh you and mitch are coming (laughs) no they won't (laughs) um and then yeah on on like the the value thing uh, um something that, um, you know, Cruzy and I were talking about the other day. And I think that there's a few surfers that fall into this bracket. I think um, you know, guys like Lee Wilson is another one that they're at an age in their career where, you know, they're potentially tapering off. Their value could be declining. Some might argue, but I would actually argue that their value is going to stay the same, if not grow, because the kids that are meant to be taking their spots coming through, they might not get the same opportunities. Well, they're definitely not going to get the same opportunities as those guys had in their early twenties to really make a profile and make a name for themselves, particularly with travel being restricted. There's not going to be any kids out there building massive profiles in the next two to three years. I don't think so. You know, those guys in their thirties, they might still hang on for another couple of years. What do you reckon? I, okay. I guess I'm kind of ambivalent about that point because I do see what you're saying that like, you know, if we can't travel and shit for the next however long and we can't make these films and do these projects, whatever, it will be hard for the next generation to create a profile for themselves. However, I also think that the new generation has the advantage of kind of growing up in this new world of content and understanding it. Like I look at TikTok and I fucking don't get it. And I'm 26. Like I'm not even that old, but like, I just don't get it. But all these kids that are like 18 or whatever, I'm sure it makes perfect sense to them. And that is a platform that they could like make their profile 10 times bigger than Mitch Cruz or Lee Wilson on. And I want to, I guess, bring up a person who is actually maybe a little bit older than the generation that we're talking about, but that I kind of appreciate what they do in that sense on Instagram and that is Mackenzie Bowden who I think like his whatever his value is I think it should be way higher I think he's got like 11,000 followers on Instagram or whatever but the shit he's putting out is so entertaining 
he's also a really fucking good surfer. And I know he's sponsored by Ruka, but I've never seen them put any energy or money or anything like toward a project with him. Scott Payne, uh, Daniel Teresi, uh, you're listening to this. They were barely going to throw that kid any kind of bone. Um, and I'm glad that you said it and I didn't have to tee you up to say that. Like I'd run out of breath trying to get behind him. I think he's fucking amazing. Like incredible surfer, great style, super funny, down to earth guy. I, ho- I hope he's one of those kids that comes through this and really shines. Like he's got, like you say, he's got all the platforms there to do it. He's a good looking rooster. He fucking rips. He's quirky and funny as all hell. Like to me, that's, that's enough to get going. It just goes to show there's not a lot of like grassroots support out there. Full stop. Before this whole shit went down, he was not going to go into numbers, but it was like, you're still working a five day week. But I guess this is almost contrary to my point because I think that he's creating content that I would think would create its own value in the form of followers and stuff like that. But like I said, he only has like 11,000 followers. Like I feel like he should have way more. Um, I, I don't know what he needs to do differently. Maybe just create more start a vlog. Cause I don't, does anybody in Australia do a vlog? Not really my marketplace. So I don't really pay attention, but I don't think they do. Um... Yeah. Cause it's, and I get it because in Australia that would be like totally uncouth. Americans are a little bit more okay with being like, Hey, look at me. You guys have the whole tall poppy thing. And I feel like blogs are just the perfect embodiment of what you guys just love to shit on. Um, but fuck, like if someone like Mackenzie started a fucking vlog, I bet it would take off. Well, you're right. He does need to create the kids like that. They need to create more content and they need to get a little more business savvy with how they do things and, and, and pre-plan. I can't just record a video on a whim. Like shit's moving so fast these days. They need to record 10 at a time and have one dropping a week for 10 weeks and not even think about it. Yep. And I just don't think that, you know, I think that's a downside of that generation. They don't have that like foresight to see what they're doing is actually really cool. But how do you make it sustainable and being creative is hard. You don't just wake up every morning with a sick idea. But when you do, you kind of need to think of five or 10 at a time. That way you could have some longevity and, and, and have some, just some, uh, you know, routine about how it goes because he's way too sporadic just to, you know, narrow down on him. I don't know what other kids are like, but him in particular just has a moment. It's fucking hilarious. And then you don't see him for a month. And I I don't think that, uh, yeah. Whereas uh, the the, the inspired unemployed, those two kids are the funniest motherfuckers on Instagram. I'd, I'd highly recommend getting around them and they're surfers, but they don't use surfing as their main tool. They use their comedy as their main tool, but they mix in with surfing and yeah, maybe that's where it's heading. All right. So another person who it could be argued, they can't really increase their value anymore, at least in a cultural sense is Dane Reynolds who brought back his blog. And I think it just kind of happened to coincide with all this stuff, but it's like the perfect time for it. And they've already put up three videos and the videos are great, but I almost even more appreciate the fact that like Dane is writing stuff about them. Like just hearing Dane's thoughts, like he's just a very smart and creative and profound kind of person. I just love any time that he's willing to kind of share his inner thoughts on things. 
So um, yeah, that's chapter11.tv if you haven't seen it yet, and it is definitely worth your time. Have you had a look at that, Stace? I have, I have. Um, and I, I love what he's doing, like obviously using himself to you know get back in the limelight. There's no doubt about that. But what he's doing to bring you know, his community of youngsters along with him is, is amazing because going on trips might not happen anymore. So the fact that he's getting to, um, you know, pump up guys like Mickey and Aton and then use local filmers like probably Club Med and obviously his filmer Mini, like they're creating a sick little gang up there. And I think in a, in a world sense, that's what could happen, you know, all around the world, little pockets like that. And if you were, you know, lucky enough to be involved with that, you'd be so stoked. <laughs> what about this little one-liner from Dane, though? From my experience, the less you expect, the less you get disappointed. Come on, dude. Come on, dude. <laughs> He's always been a bit of a pessimist. 100%, but he also is like the gnarliest fucking surfer ever, and you don't get gnarly by not trying, so I'm sure he tried at some point in his career. Like, I know he did. Yeah. Um, and then, do you have anybody else on your list? Um... Mick kind of touched on it with uh, John John, like getting this extra time off to get properly healed up. Like his value isn't going backwards. Um, mm. So yeah, that's an interesting one. Like, how long does he wait to sign a deal? You know, it's almost like when do you invest your money in the fucking stock market? Because if totally. you make it too early, you might not get the money. But if you wait too long, <laughs> whatever is left over might not exist anymore, yeah. and you're already losing value of each month that you're not getting paid. Yeah. Well, do you think that you made an interesting point before about like their cultural value? Do you think this is where there becomes a bigger divide now between cultural surfers and say Instagram surfers? Does that make sense? Because there was a while there where the uh, two were kind of forging together and you could sort of mix both together to be this one sort of entity where you would do it all. But do you think moving forward now it will become more like one or the other? I guess I need you to define cultural surfers and Instagram surfers. I, well, I guess I understand Instagram surfers. Like a Dane a or a Dane or a Noah. Okay. Versus yep. like uh, someone who's running a vlog, or someone who's surfing might not be their talent, but they use surfing as a vehicle to market themselves. I think that the cultural surfers, if they want to keep any form of a job, will be forced into becoming more Instagram surfers, and that's just kind of all there is right what else is there now there's well there's no like there's like what dane's doing okay so i guess it but it's just different platforms for marketing yourself right like it's just more i guess trendy in a way to have well it's funny because dane started the blog trend and then it became lame because everyone did it and then everyone went to instagram and now dane's going back to a blog so it's cool again of course I'm going to stake an Aussie claim in that flag and say that Dion started the uh, vlog train. Fair enough. But you're right. It's come full circle, but that's what fashion does. So to answer your question, yeah, I just... Do so you mean, think I they're, they're going to become closer together? Like say, for instance, Wade's movie, right? Complete cultural surfers. Like Nathan yes. Fletcher, Wade Goodall, Dane, Harry Bryant. So when you say cultural surfers, you essentially mean that they're making things for the core surfing community versus yep. the other people are making things for people who are generally surf interested, but more just into like fucking quote unquote content. Yeah, that's what I mean. 
I think really all it depends on is the brands that sponsor them. You know, if you have someone like Vans who has one, a ton of money and two, a ton of cultural capital already, they are going to, I think is, you know, as long as their business steadies, they're going to see more value in just kind of staying the course and not trying to like fall into the trap of just chasing clicks and likes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're with a smaller brand or whatever, you don't really have that power that, you know, that, that just the engine that Vans does. So you're going to have to go to cheaper alternative means, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. It's going to be horses for courses. Um, so sorry, just kind of the last two on my list, I'm just going to put them together is Mason Ho and Italo Ferreira who have just, I don't know. I mean like the edit that Mason put out last week of them surfing that right. That isn't even really a wave. Oh God. That's just breaking on dry reef. Like he's just a fucking madman. And I think like Mason does it because he fucking loves it. But I also don't know if he would be actually charging it that hard if there wasn't somebody there filming it and they weren't putting it out on youtube just because of how fucking dangerous that is like that's one of the most dangerous surf spots ever yeah in terms of like at least pound for pound of the wave size like it's so gnarly and the risk versus reward like is heavily risk averse yeah yeah so like the fact that he's putting it all on the line to create content that all of us can be like what the fuck you know when this is going on is really impressive and then italo same thing i mean Ultimately, he's just going surfing and his surfing is just that good that if he puts out a video every week or two weeks or whatever, and you're just like, how is this guy staying on his surfboard? Hmm. Um, But yeah, like, you know, he won the world title. He doesn't have to do shit if he doesn't want to. His sponsors aren't going to, you know, be tracking him down for little contract clauses, but he just loves it. He loves going out and surfing and filming and him and his girlfriend edit his videos together. And I can just see him drinking a bunch of coffee in front of the computer and just getting all fucking hopped up and <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah he'd be surfing without a fucking sticker that's for sure like and he'd be surfing without much just something to float him like he's that much of a frother it's fucking sick like after he won the title he went to fucking portugal <laughs> and kept surfing like <laughs> yeah. that's the sickest thing ever and um, then back to white yeah what a nutter what a legend um yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting one. I, I agree with the the Mason and the camera thing. Like, I definitely think that adds some, um, adds some. Uh, I don't know, get up and go to you to your existence. Sometimes you would look at a session and go, yeah, yeah, but oh, hang on, I could make something out of that. So those are kind of the people that, at least to me and to you, have been really impressive from just like an output standpoint. Yeah, these whole thing. I don't know. I guess just hats off to them because it would have been easy to just fucking chill out and go surf if you could and kind of just enjoy the time off. Cause you know, most of these people aren't even getting paid their full wage by their sponsors. So in their minds, mm-hmm. it would be easy to justify doing half the work, you know, if that, but yeah, yeah different kind of person to go out and say, no, I'm going to double my workload. Totally. And I think that's what's special about our sport is that it can be both to professional, um, you know, way of life, but also a, uh, an extremely addictive hobby. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to see the, the, the people out there still enjoying it, especially, you know, when the waves are pumping, it's not hard to do. Yeah. Is there anything else can you talk about? Might as well grab a prediction from you. We're due for an announcement. Um, what they say June one. So three days away, any CT events this year for world title points? Yes or no? Uh, absolutely no, but they're not 
going to announce that on June 1 is my second part of the prediction. They're just going to push it back again. Um, but yeah, I can't see them running a CT event. I know that they have ideas in the works to run events, but they're going to be specialty events from what I understand. Because, I mean, it, they just can't get everyone to travel right now. It's as simple as that. And if you can't get everyone there, you can't really run a, a legitimate CT event. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they are talking about running a couple of specialty events, but even they will be um, logistical nightmares, to put lightly. So, yeah, my prediction yep. is uh, well, no CT events June 1, and just man up and call it off <laughs> is my next part. Yeah, like, who are they kidding? I, yeah. Do you think it's just a business thing? Like, they need those events to you know, fulfill some sponsor obligations and therefore they're going to try everything they can to get them off the ground. Because we all know that like, you know, the tour, if they were to run this year, it just wouldn't, it would have that asterisk. And, you know, I know that they don't want, that, but at the end of the day, they have a business that they need to keep afloat. So maybe it's just that they're looking for any possible way to bring in the money that they were, uh, you know, promised at the beginning of the year. For sure. And hope is a powerful thing. Like it's keeping us all thinking forward you know so i think that that's a big part of it too and then there's also the financial part of it where they're probably sitting on money that they can hang on to they don't have to release because they're still quote unquote on hold i think would be the other part of it yeah you're right they probably did get prepaid for a lot of that stuff and yep well yeah that's fucking yeah i guess that's everyone's just trying to stay alive for now right yeah exactly yeah no, most people seem to be doing pretty well which is cool all right. Good chatting, Mikey. Yeah, that was fun. Um, Sorry to blindside you at the start. Thought you handled yourself pretty well. JS was pretty friendly. No, I enjoyed it. That was good. <laughs> it's no fun if you just fucking get to beat on people and they never get to punch back. <laughs> well, okay, so you put it out there. Any article you write, the person's welcome to come on the show. Absolutely. I like it. All right. We'll see who we can get next time around. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, uh, we will catch you next time on the Stab Cusp.